Hi everyone and welcome to the Tech Recruitment Podcast. This is the episode number, the next one, so let's kick it off. Jody, welcome to the Tech Recruitment Podcast. Uh, you've been in HR and recruiting for over 20 years. That's just unbelievable. So I'm really curious now with all this experience, uh, like what was the biggest mistake uh, that you made as a, as a recruiter? Yes. So thanks for that question. I've had lots of mistakes in my career. I, I, I think of mistakes or failures as ways to learn. So my biggest learning was um, when I was a director of talent acquisition for a Fortune 500 company, I was hiring a recruiter in one of the offices that I supported. Um, so I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio. That office is in Austin, Texas. And I um, found a uh, candidate that went through the whole process and we made an offer and she accepted. Throughout that process, my intuition, my gut was telling me something was off. And I just kind of let that go to the side. And I just kept moving forward with the process with this candidate. I flew to Texas um, the night before, was still questioning if she would show up on the first day. So, you know, my intuition was really strong. And I got into the office. She was there. So that was like check one. She showed up. All good. And all good. You know, we're moving forward. That silly intuition was just, you know, (laughs) not working. I ate something bad or something. But um, after a really nice lunch with her, she took a call um, outside, which we were in an open environment. So that made sense to me. And she came back in and said, Jody. I just got a call and I got an offer from my dream job and I accepted it. And that meant she just resigned halfway through her first day on the job with me as my recruiter for the Austin, Texas office. And I was sadly not shocked because of my intuition that whole time made me realize I was right. There was something off. Something wasn't, I didn't solidify that this was her job that she wanted. I didn't emphasize if she had any other interviews, you know, I didn't do all the recruiter things I'm supposed to do as a recruiter with my own candidate for my own team. And it failed me. And so she left after lunch and then took me about two weeks to find a new recruiter for the Austin, Texas office. So that's my biggest failure. Yeah. So that was her first and last day at the same time. And uh, it meant lots of struggle for you eventually. But it's also great that you that you mentioned all these uh, learnings, right? What you learned and what you are now doing better. So can you, can you just tell us one or two things that um, you learned from this experience? Absolutely. The first thing I learned is when you have a gut instinct or you have intuition or there's something that's making you double think your decisions, instead of swallowing it or instead of like ignoring it, taking the time to understand, well, why am I struggling with this decision I made? And if there's additional questions that needed to be asked from the candidate or the new hire, Ask those questions, pick up the phone and 
have an honest conversation. You know, that doesn't mean that I would have, you know, not, I, I would have rescinded the offer. I probably wouldn't have rescinded the offer, but maybe I could have at least been a little bit more clear on the role. Maybe I could have explained to her why maybe this is her dream job. Um, maybe she would have not started. And so I didn't have to go. I mean, it's embarrassing being the director of talent acquisition. You hire a recruiter and she doesn't make it through the first day. Mm. That is embarrassing, people. It's so embarrassing. And she's supposed to be supporting your client, which is the Austin, Texas office. I mean, this is, you know, no one wants this. You know, this is like the worst um, situation um, to be a leader on a, in an organization um, in that your gift is recruiting. <laughs> you mm. didn't recruit the right person. So being willing to have those hard conversations when needed. Um, and, and then also make sure that, you know, you solidify the job with the candidate. They feel good, you know, follow up with them in, in different ways. I just felt like my communication wasn't the best in that process. And I definitely learned to move forward and, and to have those conversations throughout the, throughout the process, throughout the interview process. And it's interesting that you mentioned this because it just reminds me we have one client who just extended the offer to a candidate about 10 days ago, roughly. And the candidate verbally accepted, but also it just takes, feels like forever to get him to sign the contract and get some documents. So now we have some doubts. And now when you mention it, it kind of, now I feel like we are, we, we see all these uh red flags and all these markers that something may not be right, but we also just want him to start the job. So so what, what should we do in such situation? I would be picking up the phone and asking why it's taking so long to sign that contract. I would be asking, do you, are you having doubts? You know, that's, you know, have like, have a human interaction conversation. I think a lot of times we're very transactional at that point in the phase, right? They accepted the offer. We want them to start, right? I mean, hands down, the hiring manager, the recruiter, everyone in the process wants that individual to start, but not only start, but to stay with the organization. So if we're seeing these red flags, instead of it just allowing them to pass or just sending emails like, hey, you haven't signed it, you know, or just being very transactional in that conversation, um, we're not going to get to the root cause of that red flag. So mm -hmm. I would try to get to the root cause because honestly, if I was the hiring manager and someone was hesitant and having second thoughts, I would rather solidify that before they started. Like I want to know that beforehand so I can either fix or handle those concerns um, or, you know, almost like give them grace that they can like walk away if this isn't going to work for them. Hmm. I mean, I've heard of a lot of candidates um, taking, accepting multiple offers and then making a decision after accepting offers. I don't hmm. want that. I don't want that for my client. I don't want that for myself. I don't want that for the person. Um, you know, that is, those are um, situations where someone gets hurt. Um, hmm. So let's try not to make a, a hurtful situation if it doesn't have to be. Hmm. Yeah, it it almost feels like this offer is not a dream job for the candidate and he is just waiting for some other offer. And you, you mentioned this uh, kind of thing, you know, called a dream job. So 
what is it and what you know what should we do with it like how can we figure out what is a dream job for someone you know one thing that i've learned and i've learned uh, this is you know probably 20 years ago is at the very beginning of the conversation with any candidate i always ask them what their dream job is i want to know what is that dream job is my candidate the dream job or is my candidate the dream the the job that's going to get them to that dream job is my candidate is my job the not the dream job but the job for now you know and and that helps me level set where this candidate is with my role um you know that way if i you know if i see that their dream job is like out there and someone's hiring for it i know there is a chance that my candidate is going to take that job, right? Because that's their dream job. Um, you know, the the thing with a candidate is um, their dream jobs can evolve throughout the hiring process. Your job can become their dream job. The more they learn about the culture, the company, the role, the responsibilities, what projects they're going to be working on. Um, so I would even consistently ask them, how does my job align to that dream job? Or... Um, I would also be asking, what are you interviewing in other places? How is your how is your interviews going? Um, let them know that you're their advocate for this position. And so if they have another offer, but this is their number one job, let me know that they have an offer so that I can be an advocate to see are they in a are, you, are they one of the top candidates for this position that I have? Because if they are, I don't want them to accept an offer for another job and then have to, re, you know, decline that offer for my job. Like, I want to be as transparent through the process as possible with the candidate. And I want the candidate to do the same. Do they always do that? No, they don't always do that. You know, I've had multiple candidates who just, you know, went through the process to get an offer for me so that they could, you know, get a new pay grade at their current job. They were never going to accept my job, right? They were just trying to negotiate a better rate at their current role. Mm -hmm. um, so that always is going to happen. We don't live in rainbows and sunshine. Um, this, you know, the world is the world, but mm -hmm. the more transparent we are through the process, when we get to this point where they're hesitant, we can ask, hmm. did you find your dream job? Are you interviewing for your dream job? Hmm. Because if so, tell me, let's, let's talk this through. You know, if the hiring manager respects you and believes that you're a great candidate, that means they believe you're a great person. And if I, as a recruiter say, Hey, Joe just got an interview for their dream job. Hmm. I know he, he accepted your job. But Joe has this amazing job that he's going to want to talk to. Hmm. What do you want? What do you want from the situation? Do you want him to start knowing that he may leave? Can we pause? Or can we continue to maybe look for some more candidates knowing that Joe may not start? Hmm. Be proactive. I'm like, what do you want to do, hiring manager? That's a better conversation. Hmm. And by the way, I think a lot of us think the hiring manager would yell at us or say, oh, that recruiter's horrible. No, they would actually probably respect us more yeah. as professionals yeah. by having those hard conversations. So I think you have to know what the dream job is first before you can like identify, this, is this candidate maybe finding that dream job outside of your job?
Mm -hmm. So true, so true. And this is actually also a nice bridge to the employer branding that you also specialize in, right? Because one thing is helping uncover whether the candidate sees this as a dream job and the other side of the coin is to see how to position a job to be a dream job for someone, right? Or even yeah. who is it the dream job for? Yeah, absolutely. Because not every dream job is everyone's dream job. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's the one thing we always have to recognize is our organization, the position, the department is not the dream job for everyone. So who is this a dream job for? Like what, what person is going to find this job appealing, exciting, and want to do every day? Mm -hmm. And so I use um, design thinking, which is a, a methodology to help, you know, solve challenges or solve problems. Um, but it also really helps you align yourself with um, who you're serving, um, as well as ensure that it's feasible and viable for the business. So when you use design thinking, when you're looking at, let's just say the question is, how can we recruit and hire a software developer for our department. We make it very generic. Um, the first question, the first thing you have to go through is understand your audience. So who would want this job? And so a tool that you can use is a candidate persona. And the candidate persona gives you the ability to understand, well, what would motivate um, someone to take this job? What would motivate them to come to your, like, we want to work for your organization, right? I think everyone thinks like an Apple or a Google is everyone's like top choice of a company, but it's not. Like a lot of people want to work for a startup. A lot of people want to work for a family owned business, you know? So you don't want the Apple ideal candidate for a family owned business. You want a candidate that wants to work for a family owned business. So you know, how do you, you know, so this just kind of helps you solidify the mindset and the motivations of a candidate that would want to work for you and work in your department. And then the candidate persona has some really cool recruiting capabilities too, because then you can say, okay, well, who is that person? What job titles, what experience do they have? What skill sets do they have? What education do they have? And so all of a sudden you're like kind of putting together this ideal candidate and you're finding out information about them that can help with source streams, that can help you locate the candidate. Um, the next level of a candidate persona is where do, where are they? <laughs> where are they? What do they do? Like, where do they play online? Where do they look for content? And all of a sudden now you're locating them in places that you can engage them. And so now you have sourcing strategies, which are so important, you know, with recruiting. So really getting to understand that person, all of a sudden now you can build a stronger job posting. You can make sure that you're sourcing in the right areas. You can paint a picture to your, your employees to find employee referrals that actually meet what you're looking for for the job. And so it really kind of gives you an overarching way to brand, do recruitment marketing, but also to actually recruit that candidate and bring that person, you know, to the interviews for your hiring managers to interview. Mm. Well, this uh, this definitely sounds cool, and uh, I'm wondering how does it work with uh, with companies because often the hiring managers that we interact with they are like, hey, here is a JD, we need a software engineer, 
right? And they send it to agencies. And then there mm-hmm. is, on the other side of the scale, there is this uh, full-fledged design thinking process with probably one or two workshops where the kind of persona is being figured out, right? And I mean, it's very cool, right? But um, how to get those managers who just send the JD to a point when they do the kind of full discovery? So I'm going to say baby steps um, because you cannot make someone change their process like that, right? Like you cannot be like, hey, hiring manager who sends me a JD. Um, I want to have this like full 60 minute inter- like meeting with you so that we can dive into your candidates and what why they would work for you. So it's going to be baby steps. So if you think about the stuff that I was just talking about, there's stuff that you can actually get yourself without having to maybe talk to the, to get from the hiring manager. So when we think about, um, you know, a company, right, there's tons of content out there, you know, Indeed, Forum, Glassdoor, you know, all that stuff that you can maybe find the reasons why people stay at that organization, what they, what perks they like, right? So you can kind of build Um, maybe some of those motivators on why someone would want to work for that company. It's not specifically about the department, but it's just about the company. So there's some work that you as the recruiter can do to kind of get that kind of information. I would probably ask that hiring manager, can you tell me why someone would want to work in your department in this role? Are there any projects or initiatives that are happening today that can help us attract the right candidates to your role? Mm, Yeah, that's a great one. I would ask, yeah, I would ask the hiring manager very specific questions about the department, about the role, right? That way that's all you're, you're, you're getting just maybe this much more information than the job description, right? And then you can start to, um, you know, that's the one thing I love about like being like an agency recruiter is that you have all these potential candidates at your fingertips that you can just call and ask questions. You know, that's what I did when I was first, when I first became an IT recruiter, I had never done IT recruiting at all. And so the thing, the gift that one of the IT recruiters gave me was just pick a lane and call as many and schedule as many interviews with them. And just ask as many questions as possible because IT professionals love to talk about what they do. They're passionate about what they do. And all of a sudden, I picked project managers and I had, you know, 30 project managers wanting to talk to me because they wanted me to help them maybe find a job. But through that conversation, I got to learn about them. So each time you talk to a candidate that might be within that skill set, asking some of those deep questions you know, what's motivating you to leave your organization today? What type of company are you wanting? You know, why? You know, be curious about them. Ask a lot of questions. And then all of a sudden you're going to have this, you know, database of like software developers that you've like talked to and you kind of already know their motivations. Now you have to connect. Are those motivations the same as what this company can offer. So a lot of it's going to be on you as the recruiter. And I know it takes a lot of time, energy, and effort. But the more you do that, the the more you're going to be able to find the right company at the right time for those candidates. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, for the, the hiring manager, you're going to be able to give them a slate of candidates that are strong. Then he's going to be like, wow, they just gave me 
I would interview three out of the five people. That is good. Like I'm going to keep working with them. And it's because you did your due diligence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's uh, actually something that reminds me of the um, um, marketing personas, right? It's, it's a similar concept. This is just in uh, recruiting, right? <laughs> and yeah. um, I'm, I'm wondering whether this is something the recruiter should do or do they engage an agency or like a, employee branding agency or marketing agency or someone like you like do you see this uh kind of uh, being done together um as a part of a process or separately i think it could go either way honestly i think it depends on the person and how curious they are right i mean to me if you're not curious you're not going to build a really strong candidate persona so find someone who is and that might be an agency that might be a peer you know if i'm talking to my internal recruiters at an organization um i would be you know i would say you're you as the recruiter um, you're asking during the intake meeting with your hiring manager, you're asking really good questions to then sit down and build the candidate persona yourself. And then you share it with the hiring manager um, to get his his or her feedback. Um, so you don't do it with them because they have a lot of ideas that probably aren't going to be good ideas um, because they're not a recruiter. Um, you have the good ideas, um, but they can give you a lot of insight, a lot of perspective um, to do that. So, you know, if I'm looking internally, you know, I, I really do believe that if someone's trained well in the candidate persona, they can do it themselves. And the other thing to think about is you don't have to do the candidate persona every time the job is posted. You know, you go back to the old candidate persona and you say, has anything happened? Has anything changed? Hmm. Um, and and you just kind of iterate. And that's part of design thinking is iteration. You just kind of tweak it and then you move forward with it. So that's one thing. I think that if you are trying to develop a candidate persona for the organization so that you can have really solid marketing um, out there in the world that will target not only maybe the software developer, but the finance person, the, you know, it's more of an holistic overview of a candidate persona of the whole company. I would, you know, I would definitely try to work with a professional, um, someone who understands personas, understands marketing and branding um, so that you're, you know, you're doing something that's really going to work for you and your organization. Um, but if it's like a, a, a specific role, I really do think that a recruiter has the power and capabilities of, of doing that themselves. Hmm. Awesome. Awesome. And just as you are talking, um, I got this idea. I'm not sure whether it's a good idea or not, you know, time will show. But <laughs> It's an idea. I love ideas. That's, yeah, that's but, great. But I was just thinking because when recruiters or agencies, they do the um, business development, usually they send these very generic emails like, dear hiring manager, we are an agency and we can serve you candidates. You know, we can send you CVs. Are you interested? And the uh, hiring managers are sick and tired of all these uh, cold emails, right? Mm -hmm. um, so have you also seen the kind of employer branding or this customer, uh, not customer, but um, candidate persona being used as the door opener for staffing agencies? Or do you work with some other recruiters on this kind of uh, cross promotion? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it, there is power in providing your expertise to 
your potential clients or customers in a way that helps open doors for, for yourself. Um, I've done this myself, you know, I have, you know, gone into an organization and under really understood what they were looking for and kind of built a, you know, a, a, a candidate persona for them to hopefully be able to then get new business, right. Maybe be able to help with um, solidifying the process now that we understand the candidate. So I do a lot of like the processes and, 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 you know, implementing new technology type stuff for TA teams. So, so I've did, I've done this myself and it does help. Like if you know of an organization that has been struggling to find candidates Hmm. And you can't find candidates. You're frustrated <laughs> with the situation as a recruiter, or you see that there is a common denominator between, you know, candidates who worked there and they're showing their frustration and why they left the organization, you know, offering to do kind of like a little, you know, um, like workshop on on how to build a better you know employer brand and bring in kind of a persona type mentality um so that at the end they're gifted something they can use moving mm-hmm. forward i think that could be a really powerful um uh i guess lead magnet i guess or i'm trying to think of like the sales <laughs> term um you know be able to like connect with them Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the thing is, is if I go yes, and with that, it can also be that you're doing a workshop with multiple companies and they all come together and all of a sudden they all are talking about their highs and lows and, and they can learn from each other. You know, that's something that design thinking is very, it's, it's all about ideation, brainstorming and coming up with ideas and then testing them out and saying, does it work or not, which is a prototype. Um, So I really think that, you know, that could be, there's some power there in helping your clients in a way that maybe you're not getting paid, but they see you as the expert. Mm -hmm. Therefore, now they're going to work with you with a job rec. And by the way, if they do the work, they're going to give you a better job posting, job description. They're going to know who they really need. And so all of a sudden, your whole process feels smoother. It feels better for you as well as as well as your client. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, I really like how you sneaked the uh, phrase yes and, which is one of the techniques from uh, design thinking, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was learning all, something about it recently. Yeah. And I, I just yeah. It's the power of words when you're communicating with people is Mm -hmm. so important. So like if you're doing a brainstorm session and people come up with all these amazing ideas, um, an idea is not going to stick, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone has, there's bad ideas in this world. That doesn't mean they're not ideas, but you know, they're not, they're not going to work or they're like, you know, that idea that, gosh, we wish we could do right. But we can't. (laughs) We don't have the funds. Is that whole feasible, viable to the business mm-hmm. side? So instead of saying no, you say yes and. And it's also from um, a certain type of comedy where they, I can't think of it right now, of course, um, when we're talking about it. But yes and is a very powerful tool to keep the conversation inclusive mm-hmm. with the people that you're talking with. Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, cool. Yeah. So, you know, we just should form some partnership. This is kind of a note on the side, you know, regarding the lead magnet. I mean, that I can I can imagine how that could work, you know, with 
could bring some business to the employer branding, but also recruiting side. So um, we should catch up later, <laughs> just as a side note. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think that um, one of the things I will say on the candidate side, as well as the, the employer side, um, what we send them is usually crap. Mm. It's generic words in an email. Or it's just, you know, I can't tell you how many times I actually get recruiters reaching out to me, asking me to be a Java developer. Hmm. I'm not an IT professional. Me. (laughs) But, and I had to remove it from my LinkedIn, but I was an IT recruiter. And so Hmm. as an IT recruiter, what did I do on LinkedIn? I put all of the technology that I recruited for in my LinkedIn profile as Hmm. an IT recruiter. So, you know, all that wonderful LinkedIn recruiter and all those, you know, when you source or you do your, your search and you pull like 50 people and you, you send them that mass email to that 50 people without checking to make sure they're a Java mm-hmm. developer, all you're doing is spamming the world, which makes it so hard for the rest of us recruiters who are actually trying to do our due diligence and find the right candidate because they have all this spam in their LinkedIn messaging and they don't. Let's look at their LinkedIn messaging anymore. Just yeah. like um, an employer, you know, if you're spamming them with the same content over and over again, they stop looking at mm. your email or they stop looking at their LinkedIn messaging. So yeah. the other piece of design thinking is understanding your audience. So mm. sending content that they'd be excited about, right? Yeah. So if you see they're struggling with retaining talent, you offer a, pro- a workshop, you offer a template, you offer a, a, an article that you found, you know, that has some great tips. You, you customize it based off the person that you're dealing with. And if you do that more often than none, they will actually respond to you. Mm, that's a good one. It's like marketing in recruiting. That's a good one. Okay. And once you improve the... Um employer branding for a client, then what is the next step with regards to um, fixing some processes or making sure that the right candidates are eventually hired? Yeah. So then you really have to look at your hiring process to make sure that your hiring process matches what your ideal candidate wants to experience. So you have to really, you know, think about, okay, um, what's that first conversation that we're going to have? Um, you know, is this someone who absorbs content? So maybe you're putting some really interesting content on YouTube. And so that initial piece may not be a hiring topic at all, but it's, you know, engaging them around the company and what you do. Um, or is it, you know, you're actively recruiting and so you're sending a, a recruiting message directly to them. Well, how how do they want that? How can you structure it in a way where your recruiter can do it without taking too much time, energy, and effort to get through that? Um, so it's really aligning those processes. What kind of interview questions should you have? Um, what does your application look like? You know, one thing I always tell every recruiter I talk to is if you haven't applied to your company or however a candidate gets their information to you, if you haven't done it yourself, you have no clue what they're going through and you have no clue if something's wrong. Mm -hmm. I had a client who I did their application and I found out that 
they were actually asking questions that they're not allowed to ask at that step of the process, which could be a legal issue for them. And this wasn't a small company. This was a a mid-sized company. And they didn't know it was happening because no one had applied to the job for so long in the HR team. And so by recognizing that that happened, they were able to eliminate it and move it to the right step. It wasn't, they needed the information. It's just in, in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. So they moved it. And so then they alleviated the legal issue. But at the same time, this was information that no candidate wants to provide at that time. So they probably had a pretty large dropout rate of candidates. Um, so looking at everything that you're providing to a candidate, if it's an assessment, you know, like I know a lot of IT uh, professionals hate assessments. Um, do you need it? Can you put it in a, a spot where you can have a, a, a nice conversation with them and explain why this assessment's important instead of putting it at the front of the process? So really looking at that process and looking at those steps and saying, how does the, how does my ideal candidate feel about doing this? How do they feel about providing me with this content? How do they feel about moving to this next step? Am I communicating appropriately? You know, all that stuff's very important um, because you don't want your ideal candidate to start the process and not finish. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine these larger institutions, mid-sized companies and large ones, they have it all laid out, you know, described properly. Some of these smaller clients um, we've been working with, they kind of approach it as it comes, you know, we send them a few candidates. And even when the candidates ask, uh, so what does the process look like? We are like, well, uh, you know, there will be three rounds of interviews. And then there are four or two and a half, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then uh... <laughs> that happens so much with so many, so many people. And and the one thing I say, and I'm, I'll gift this as maybe to help recruiters. I I say this is what traditionally the process looks like um there's a conversation there's a, a phone interview then there's a virtual interview and then an on-site interview and then i say but that can always change that can always mm-hmm. be altered based off of what's going on in the world what's going on in the business i go so what i am today for you moving forward is your tour guide i will walk you through i will let you know if they change so if it goes from three to four interviews, the first time I hear that, I'm picking up the phone and calling you and telling you and letting you know that, hey, they've added a fourth interview. Just want to let you know, be prepared. Do you have any questions or concerns about that? Is that that's probably going to push the, you know, the timing maybe two weeks out? Is that going to be a concern? You know, how's your job search going? Do you have other interviews? So all of a sudden you're gifting them information, right? You're telling them you're, you know, opening up the, you know, curtain and showing them what's happening in the background. They're going to be more likely to share with you what's happening in their situation. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, everyone loves when I say tour guide, they all laugh. Mm -hmm. They think it's funny, you know, and I think it's hilarious too, but that's who I am. Like, I don't, have a say as a recruiter, once I have that conversation and I move them forward to the hiring manager, I now really have limited say on -hmm. what happens with that relationship with the hiring manager. All I can be is a supportive advocate for both sides Mm -hmm. and, and walk them through the process like a tour guide would. Mm -hmm. That's that's a very nice phrase. And how do you actually keep track of all these candidates? Uh, Obviously you use some applicant tracking system, but these kind of, uh, you know, little things like, if this changes, then I will let you know, like, do you somehow continuously, consistently go back to those candidates or? 
Do you have yeah, any I mean, right. That's the hardest part, right? Remembering your candidates, where they're at, what's going mm-hmm. on. It's so hard when you have like 20, 30 recs that you're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say that um, for me, I actually embed myself into my can- my clients. And so I use their applicant tracking system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ensure that I can put everything in there I need to keep myself organized for my, um, for, you know, for those processes. I would say that, you know, as a staffing recruiter, um, whatever ATS system you have, I mean, it's, I, I know the power of taking notes and, and making notes in the, in the system. One, I, I'm not sure if it still happens. It's been a while since I've been a staffing recruiter, but I know that you have, like we had to consistently connect with a candidate to keep ownership of that candidate. And so I had to, you know, do a, a new phone interview or interview every six months or I had to follow up with them. Um, so taking those notes were really great because it kept pushing my six months with that candidate. Um, so putting notes like that in the system, um, I think that having a really strong relationship with the business development person for that client so that you can keep them updated and they can keep you updated so that these type of notes can be put into the client file saying mm-hmm. that this the software development position went from three interviews to four interviews. And then that way, when another software development position opens up, the business development say, Last time you went from three to four interviews. Do you think you still want to do four interviews? Mm-hmm. Um, so however you can, you know, kind of keep those notes in a system, I think is great. Um, don't keep them in your head because hopefully we all win the lottery and we get to, you know, not work at some point and our head isn't going to be at the office anymore. Um, so finding a way to do, diligently always put notes in a system, whatever system that is, um, it's going to help you as well as the company and as well as the candidate. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we are recording this in January and I just disconnected for two weeks during the Christmas uh, time. And I just couldn't remember a thing when I got back <laughs> after those two weeks. So, uh, we totally need it, even if we don't win a, a lottery, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and one, holidays. One tip that I got um, from the brilliant Stacy Zapar, who's like this amazing recruiter um, here in the United States, she um, she does Friday updates. And so what her and her team um, does is um, they have a list of all their candidates that they're engaging. So those are candidates that either the initial had an initial interview that's in the process with a client. Um, who's waiting for feedback. And every Friday, they do not leave the office until they have communicated with each and one of those candidates an update. Mm -hmm. And that update could be, there is no update. We haven't heard back from your interview yet. We'll follow back up next week, right? Mm -hmm. But um, forcing yourself to update your candidates keeps, you know, you want those notes, right? So you can keep track of them. Um, But I will tell you as a, candidate saturday and sunday are the days of uncertainty no one's working they don't get an update they don't know what's going on with their job search they don't know what happened with that final interview if they're going to get that offer or not so uncertainty equates to looking at new jobs and applying to new jobs 
And all of a sudden that candidate who had a final interview, who's about to get an offer now is talking to another company Hmm. about another job. And then when you call them on like a Tuesday and you didn't talk to them on Friday, call them on a Tuesday and say, Hey, they're moving forward to an offer. All of a sudden that candidate goes, well, I'm actually interviewing with this other company on Friday. So can we, can I let them know next week if I want that job? Hmm. And you just delayed that opportunity with that candidate to accept your job, right? That offer. So if you say, Hey, no update, but you know, everything, you know, seems you're still in the running. They're still considering you, you know, we just haven't gotten an update. They have like, they know what's going on. That, that uncertainty goes away. And so maybe they just enjoy their weekend. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. Versus, you know, like versus finding another job. Hmm. Um, getting into another interview process. Um, so I love that. I love the Friday update. Um, you can make it fun, like have, you know, do it at the end of the day, grab a beer, whatever, you know, just like make it a fun experience for you and your, and your team. So they hmm. do follow up and they do handle it and, and then track it, test it. Did it work? Did it help solidify some candidates to offers or did it help, you know, candidates feel more relieved um, from what I understand, uh, no, uh, telling a candidate, no update will actually increase their time in the process with that company than letting them just sit there and wonder. Hmm. So well, this, this is such a, such a great tip really to even follow up with candidates when there is no update. I'm, I'm starting this practice, you know, and it's Friday today. So <laughs> it's a good time to, you know, good day to start with this. Such such a good one, such a good one. Um, cool. But anyway, I also want to be mindful of, of your time. Uh, so um, before we wrap it up, is there any kind of final advice that you would like to share with uh, fellow recruiters about personal, uh, not personal branding, but employer branding or processes or how to you know thrive in this ecosystem going forward? Yeah, I think that for me, you know, when I talk to recruiters, the first thing I always tell them is, do you do what make, makes you best? Mm-hmm. What makes you a, the best recruiter? Follow your own intuition, right? I think the thing I didn't do in the story that I told you up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and always be curious. Mm-hmm. Always ask questions. Do not let others answer those questions for you. Um, I think if you, if you're curious enough to always look for those answers, it's going to help you be a better recruiter. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, these, these were so valuable insights and I'm sure you have a lot more to share. So where can people find a bit more about you, um, read more of your content or kind of, uh, you know, get to know. Yeah. My, my favorite social media is, um, LinkedIn. And um, you can just put in um, my name, Jody, which is J-O-D-I, and then Brainstetter, B-R-A-N-D-S-T-E-T-T-E-R. And if you don't think a T is there, add it. There's so many T's in my last name. <laughs> um, and um, I, all of my books that I've written are in, on Amazon.com, and you can purchase those there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I will link uh, the uh, Amazon books and also your LinkedIn profile just because the uh, kind of the name is... Uh, uh, kind of could be confusing with all these T's as you mentioned. So 
<laughs> the spelling could be quite challenging for people who are just listening to the podcast. Like, what did, did you say? B R D A S T T? Or <laughs> I know, and everyone loves that it has a it has brand in it, and I'm because I do I talk about branding a lot, and I'm like, yeah, but I can't figure out the stutter part. Like, how do you make that interesting? Brand stutter, like <laughs> it's so many, so many letters. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure, um, thank you for adding that link. And if anyone, I do have a, um, candidate persona template. So if anyone would like that, I can gift that to you as well as a YouTube video that shows you how to use it. Super cool. Awesome. So I'll, I'll share all these links and, uh, thanks a lot again for being a part of this uh, podcast. Have a thank wonderful. you for having me. Thank yes. You. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Hi again, and really quick, if you'd like to get a new job as the tech recruiter, or if you'd like to start working as the independent freelance tech recruitment consultant, or if you'd like to start and grow your own agency, we can help you get closer to your goals. So just go to our website, techrecruitmentacademy.com, and learn more about the programs that we organize every now and then. So just go to the website, techrecruitmentacademy.com.